Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney Magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Are you looking to plan and book an upcoming Disney vacation? Contact the Tierra Talk Show's official travel agent, James from Destinations in Florida, by visiting destinationsinflorida.com backslash tiara for a free quote. The link is also included in the show notes on our website. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show cast member corner guest, actor and writer Jordan Peterson to the show. Welcome, Jordan. Hi, Tammy. For those who are not familiar with our cast member corner segments, we get a chance to hear and speak with former or current Disney cast members who've worked at all the Disney theme parks from around the world. And so we're going to talk with Jordan today. Jordan, why don't you tell us a couple of the characters that you have played in the park when you got to work there? Goodness. Um, I think friends. I've been friends with pretty much every um, male prince character in Jack Sparrow. Um, I've been good friends with uh, anybody in that Goofy and Tigger uh, range of characters um, from Tokyo to Disney World to all the parks um, around there. So I've had a wide uh, variety of chances to interact and hang out with some of those great people. Because some of these characters are face characters, so you're going to have to interact with the guests. What exactly do you do to prep yourself to get these characters? Do you just watch the movie on nonstop, or do you do a lot of acting exercises with other actors? Well, I do. It usually depends on the specific character. Ideally, everyone who um, uh, takes this job uh, as seriously as it should be taken, um, because you are... Uh, literally making dreams come true um, and it sounds cliche and it sounds like oh, Disney magic and all that kind of whatnot but it, it absolutely is um, uh, because if you take this properly uh, take the job seriously enough um, you, you put a lot of work into it on the front end so that it comes out naturally on, on the on the performance side so uh, if someone were to ask you a question and you weren't prepared with that uh, improbability and you didn't have that Rolodex filed away um, it may seem disingenuous um, you may kind of take the guess out of that world uh, for a moment. So usually, depending on the character, you know, somebody like a like a Prince Charming um, would sit a little bit more in the basic performance range. Um, we always like to describe ourselves as um, Cinderella's <laughs> very, very pretty handbags. And that was about it. Um, because most of the time, people aren't really interested in talking to you. They're here to meet Cinderella. They've waited their whole life. Uh, that being said, <laughs> you move to the other side of things, and you end up in the realm of a Jack Sparrow. Um, that is significant character work, um, huge depth uh, of knowledge behind it, people that are very, very into the um, into the performance, into the original role uh, played by Johnny Depp, and whether it's not necessarily trying to stump you on set, but just they're so endeared by a character that has so much depth, they want to explore everything there is to explore about that character, and so if you can't 
provide that experience, um, obviously you're going to leave them a little bit let down. So that's going to go into um, from voice acting um, training, which is pretty in-depth uh, with the Disney company, down to um, personal character research, like for myself, whenever we started with that character, uh, the Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow character specifically that was um, research not just into that genre but moving into pirate research and what it was like during those times and kind of trying to find a way to embolden the experience for all the guests whenever you're bringing whether it's a disney character universal character whether it's a you know a frosty the snowman on the street for a random uh, event anytime that you are bridging a fantasy world to a real um, situation is a really fine line to walk because at a certain point you know technically speaking jack sparrow wouldn't know what a camera was um at a certain point, it becomes a little bit um, ridiculous to look at every box with a light on it and be, oh, you know, what, is that, what does that contraption do? And it gets a little bit old. So you kind of have to figure out this line of where can you live inside the character's realm with bringing it to the guest experience while it's endearing for a Peter Pan to run up to a box whenever you say, say hi to Tammy um, and, you know, and into this video camera and Peter Pan is, how'd you get Tammy inside that box? That's amazing. That's a fantastic moment uh, in character interaction. Whereas then if you move to the other side, um, it can start to get a little bit ridiculous. So it's, it's always been an interesting game to balance those two worlds. How do you work around the actual accents? Because you also played Bert besides Captain Jack Sparrow. You know, some some of these characters have specific accents. So where do you start? Sure. So accent training actually ended up being um, something that I, I currently do as well for the uh, Universal Studios company. So it's near and dear to my heart. It depends on the character, obviously. So, for example, a, a, a Mary Poppins has a very uh, specific RP English. Uh, there's a guide, you know, if you will, in the world to how to speak with an RP uh, uh Queen's English, if you will. You move to a character like Bert, um, who is a phenomenal actor and Dick Van Dyke doing a mediocre job at a British accent. Um, so you want to train to that kind of American trying to speak Cockney for him. Because if you went through with a pure Cockney and you really nailed it, that wouldn't really sound like Bert because that's not really how he did it on screen. Um, then you move into the realm of where you get a little bit more deep and adventurous, which is the Jack Sparrows. Um, for me, with the Universal side, moves into the Optimus Primes and the Megatrons, where you don't necessarily have an accent to rely on, um, you you move a little bit more towards signature sounds, uh, intonations, etc. Uh, the best way to describe it would be if I'm training a Grinch, um, let's say from a Universal. Obviously, he doesn't have an accent, but if I look at it and I break it down, I start with um, the Mid-Atlantic uh, accent, which is uh, of the 1920s, 1940s, kind of that Catherine Hepburn type of feel. Um, if you were to take that, that devolved into a... Um, uh, that's what ended up being the gangster accent. So, you know, you think, well, the Grinch, that doesn't sound anything like that. But if you think if if, if everything is spoken with this kind of quick Catherine Hepburn type of feel, and then you pull it to the side a little bit, and you pull it down a little bit, and everything suddenly starts to meld into a voice. So really, as an accent trainer, um, you, try so and cool. find, <laughs> you try and find those key sounds because everyone's going to learn differently. And what was interesting with... Um, working with Jack Sparrow specifically, is when you have equity actors, um, obviously you have people that may have, you know, uh, degrees in theater and film, and, and, and this is their life. Their life. It's, it's, it's a very deep exploration of characters. But if you move into the, the realm of someone who's 19 and maybe has a job at a theme park, and they may not have that breadth of knowledge, that depth of knowledge, um, it's trying to find the way to connect the character to them and how quickly you can get it there. And especially, you know, Jack Sparrow, he doesn't have a... We couldn't put him through... 
British dialect classes with our Poppins and our Alice's because he doesn't speak with a British accent. But then you can't put him through Dick Van Dyke. Cause, so we kind of had to develop our own style of teaching for him. And then from there, since I've left the company, their jobs have gotten even more complicated moving on. You move into Prince Caspian. That was a, I, I wouldn't have any idea how to start teaching that accent because oh, it was boy. it was kind of a phenomenally deep one and you move into the Meridas of the world and obviously you can teach a Scottish brogue. Um, there's a there's a, a book and a way to do it but at the same time those are really really specific accents that you know you mess up just a little bit and it can start to get a little dicey with your guests that are actually from there. I had a very dear friend that would do Mary Poppins on set and she was from London and originally um, she was born and raised and so she is clearly British and guests would oh that's that's a nice try sweetie you know good good try on the accent and you're like no 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 I swear to God, I'm I'm British, and you know, obviously you can't go in and tell them that. But at the same time, <laughs> guests are always looking to trip you up sometimes. So it's always funny to watch them tell a girl from London that her accent is mediocre at best. It's about finding those signature sounds, and that's really what it breaks down to. Like for me, whenever I'm training people, um, I always like to have a key phrase um, that everyone says. If eventually, as you're talking, your natural accent will start to come out, and you'll hear the 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 the, the character voice slip away from you, and it's it's really hard to reset when you're in the middle of a conversation. So if you have a a key signature phrase. Um, for Irish, it was always, um, and again, I'm terrible necessarily with the accent, I can teach them, but Dublin mothers mustn't touch the butter in the cupboard was always what I would say if I'm trying to get somebody into an Irish accent or if it's Jack Sparrow, it's uh, as long as you're just hanging here, pay attention. Phrases that really drop you into the character and, and, and that's usually a way, kind of a touchstone for you to go back and do that. So, you know, you learn the one and all of a sudden that one is, is money in the bank. Something like Jack Sparrow, like for me, it was the first time I really got to go out there and really have a lot of fun and act. Because he's such a cool character. There's so many places you can go with him. <laughs> See, that's why I would love to have Jane Porter or Meg come out a lot more often. I love them, and I think Jane that they would is be... such a cool character. And she's so strong as a strong female character. Oh, It'd be yeah. really neat to get to show that off to, to oh, uh, young girls. I know she comes out for the Halloween celebrations, and Correct. so does Meg. And I, I remember reading that Meg had almost a four-hour wait in, yep. uh, in the line. So, uh, Disney, uh, forget about Elsa. <laughs> and put Megan. <laughs> now, can we talk a little bit about Fantasmic? Because every time I sure. see that show, I don't know how everything happens. There's fire that comes out of the water, but right before that type of scene, there are people in canoes doing the Pocahontas scene. Then everything is on the big boat, and oh, it's all over the place. I, I, I'm just so surprised how it. I've never seen a problem happen before with it, and it, it just it just goes so smoothly. So you've done it so many times. How how does that work? I, I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> well, that's a, a testament to the, the infrastructure and especially the techs um, that you haven't seen a problem because problems with a show like that happen all the time um, because there's too many moving pieces and parts um, that they wouldn't. And to be honest with you, I mean, I've, I've worked in uh, at probably every venue, I think, at Disney World um, and, and the tech crew behind Fantasmic takes their job very, very seriously. Um, and it's, it is it's funny because you see the choreography on stage. Um, it is nothing compared to the choreography backstage in terms of the the number of people literally sprinting behind the scenes to get to their next mark, to get to their next cue. And again, that's not that's not the performers sprinting while they are. That is, you know, Tech Thirty One that is running over to attach a buckle to the backside of the cobra head before the doors open, and literally does it as the doors are opening. So he's jumping out of the way. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal. Uh, example of how so many different departments, especially within an entertainment overall 
department can come together and put out something that fantastic, fantastic, as the, as the boat is pulling away, you're jumping onto it, you know, um, of course, safely um, at the last second to start, you know, throwing on costume pieces as you're rounding the bend just in time for the sparklers to go off, just in time for the people at the front uh, right of house to catch a glimpse of you. So it is, it is, everything is last minute, but timed perfectly. And Fantasmic for me growing up was the epitome of Disney. I mean, it was everything that you could ask for in one show. It had action, it had romance, it, it was, you know, Mickey. At the, if, if, if you're a true Disney fan and you don't, you know, get a little teary eyed, you know, as Mickey appears on the bottom after disappearing from the fireworks position. It's such a good show. It's amazing. One of my <laughs> favorite shows that I know by heart is Voyage of the Little Mermaid. I love it. And Ariel gets her own spotlight there. And poor Prince Eric has one line that is pre-recorded. <laughs> what? You mean you weren't impressed with my lip syncing when you saw the show? <laughs> Oh, oh! I'm always impressed oh, okay, with Prince okay. Eric. I I love Prince Eric. I think he's amazing. But I <laughs> I have to I have to ask about the behind the scenes to that because that show is 17 minutes long, and you guys only have about maybe five minutes less than that to preset and ready to go for the next one because it's like boom, 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 one after the sure. other, one after the other. You're probably doing half of the shows during the day. How does that work? Do you guys kind of there's there's quite a few casts um, backstage that, that that take a show, so it's not the same cast that you're seeing all day um yeah i think ugh, voyage i was there consistently for one summer but then it was just hit and miss here and there so i can't tell the exact number of casts but they're multiple um they the puppeteers again are are fantastic um some of the people there um they've come straight from henson where they've done gigs for them or a lot of people will translate that job into a henson job um so another good example of how the different departments work together so well to put out such a great product. You also worked at the Disney College program. I know we have a couple right. of college listeners. What should be their mindset going in and any other advice? Oh, ton, tons of advice college program-wise. For me, it was interesting. It was an interesting journey because I was always a theme park kid, always obsessed with theme parks, never really uh, put two and two together that I could then make that into a career. Um, I had a Jungle Cruise was my, my jam. Uh, jungle, jungle Cruise and the Haunted Mansion, um, but mostly Jungle Cruise. And I had, I remember going as a kid, and I knew the whole spiel so well, I was kind of mouthing it to myself um, during the deal. And the skipper was like, oh, you look like you'd make a good skipper, so why don't you go ahead and take over? So I put the hat on and gave me the microphone, and I got to run the rest of the Jungle Cruise. And that's when you could shoot at the hippos and et cetera. Um, so from that moment on, I was like, oh, my God, I have to, I have to, you can do this for a living. I have to work for Disney. Um, I found out about the college program when I was a freshman in high school, I think it was. And I started writing letters. Um, as a freshman um, to the recruiting office, uh, they were like, well, that's great, but you're not in college for four years. And I was like, no, I know. I'll see you in three, and then I'll see you in two, and then I'll see you in one, and then here I am. I'm in college. Um, put me at the Haunted Mansion. So I spent my first summer college program as a Haunted Mansion butler, which was a dream because that's, I mean, again, like I said, it's Jungle Cruise or Mansion, one of the two. And you don't need uh, to be happy all day. <laughs> and you don't. I was I was melancholy, and, and it was just wonderful. Um, it was a great experience. I used to, I would always, I, I wouldn't speak during the day because it's really hard to be creepy when people are hot and they just want inside so I would just be silent and stare at people to offset them and then at night I would go into this whole character and we had a great college program crew then at the end of that college program um, I was tabbed to come to an audition um, uh, for face characters um, for Prince Eric and I went to that audition and I don't believe that I got it 
but then they offered me a character position, so I came back on a second college program uh, in the spring as a character performer, then learned Fantasmic, which at the time, I believe it's much more common now as a college program performer to get to do shows and parades, but at the time that was kind of um, a faux pas and unheard of um, to do a show or a parade as a college program performer, so I got really, really lucky. Um, did Fantasmic and then went back, finished school, and then came back full-time. Um, so the college program itself, in terms of advice going in, it's really all about the interview. Um, it's almost, I would say, 90% about the interview. Be talkative, be engaging, always smile while you're talking. You may think because you're, you know, you're not being seen by the other person um, that you can let your face drop. It's the same idea as if you're a voice performer. Um, act the role. Um, so when you have your interviews, uh, be big. Be about Disney. I mean, of course, they hear a lot that, you know, I've always wanted to work for Disney, but but, but be specific. Tell them what it is about Disney that, that, that makes you not want to, but need to be a part of this program. Um, if you have a dream role, make that known. But at the same time, if you get offered something in the exact opposite direction of your dream role, that shouldn't matter um, for multiple reasons. One, if you want to turn it into a career to theme park or you have something, then great. Then that's your first stepping stone. If you don't have an interest necessarily in working for a theme park for the rest of your life, but you just wanted um, that experience, the, the resume factor for it is huge. Even if you're custodial at the Walt Disney Company, Having the Walt Disney Company on your resume is is worth its weight in gold moving forward. I mean, I have friends that are CEOs at companies that uh, that were outdoor foods um, at Disney, and they got some of their first chances just because they had Disney experience, Disney training. Disney does it the best, and, and corporations know that if you had it, if you had what it took for Disney to hire you back then. Um, and to then train you, then you're going to bring their values to them at their new corporation. So whether you're, you know, your lifelong dream is to actually work in the theme park world or not, it's still massively important. And then as far as the experience goes, it's you're there to, to do a job, but you're there to, to have, a, have a wonderful experience. Try and do your best to actually show up for work, but you're going to make lifelong friends. I have people that I still hang out with on a yearly basis that I met on my college programs, um, people that I run into 15 years later working in the industry um, that I did college program uh, jobs with, and I suddenly find out that they're you know, a show writer for another park, and we share notes and move forward along those lines. So it can't open enough doors. It's phenomenal and, and really it's a life-changing experience, I guess, to be honest with you. I've only heard great things about it. So Absolutely. That'd be really exciting. Now, you have also kind of moved on from Disney and gone to Universal Studios, which I think is amazing. You're also working as a show writer there. Can you talk about some of the shows that you've done? Absolutely, of course. Um, when I left Disney, I decided that I needed to step away from theme parks, figure out what I was doing, um, moved to Los Angeles, um, started working in casting with Miramax, um, did a couple of films with them on the casting side of things, realized that was a little bit less hands-on than I wanted to be, uh, moved into some television aspects, realized that wasn't really um, uh, scratching the creative itch that I had, and, and realized that obviously theme parks is where I wanted to be, and so I needed to get back there. Um, I had the opportunity to sit next to, I went to go watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure uh, in the 2008 in, in Universal Studios Hollywood, which is uh, a staple uh, show from Orlando, one of my favorites, when, uh, something that you know you circle on the calendar and you look forward to all year as, a, as an audience member. Um, so it's actually, it's interesting, sitting there watching the show, I went to see my friend um, Mike Mayhall who was doing Ted, and I was sitting next to a guy that seemed fairly interested in the show, so I started talking to him because theme park production is kind of my thing, and what I was really interested in, turns out he was the director for the show, 
And uh, I was like, oh, so I made the acquaintance and, you know, got his uh, phone number and followed up with him later and said, hey, you know, I'm really looking into moving into show writing and show directing. Do you have any advice? He was very friendly. Uh, fast forward a year and a half later, and they needed a show writer for the Universal Studios Hollywood Bill and Ted show. And uh, I, they gave me a phone call and I came in and, and, and I uh, worked with uh, the base script from Orlando, which was written by the very talented Michael Aiello. Um, who is now their creative director, I believe, Universal Orlando. And we kind of punched it up and Californianized it a little bit for our audience, and it went really well. And then the following year, they brought me on to write the show again, and the following year again, and it kind of snowballed from there. So I did uh, Bill and Ted's. I wrote their shows in 2011, 10, 11, 12, and 13. And then from there, expanded to, I moved as the show writer and show director for the Transformer experience that you saw, which is that interactive talking Transformers, um, and then various projects um, that are currently under non-disclosure agreements. I'm excited um, to hear about them, though. Will they will they be, will they be coming out any time this year? Can you tell us that? One of them may be up this year full-time. Uh, we'll find out probably here in the next month or two, and then another couple are, are, are in the future. But I have three questions I always ask my guests who come on the show. We'll start with the Donald one. As a child, what Disney film would you always like to watch over and over again? Um, Short-wise, I always loved the uh, Donald versus his nephews and the snowball fight. Uh, I, I will <laughs> never remember which Christmas, where that collection came from, um, and I couldn't tell you right now how to find it uh, at this moment, but it was phenomenal. Um, so that was a holiday tradition for me. And then film-wise would probably be Lion King, I would say. That was probably the first film that really um, stuck with me and, and right around that development side uh, where uh, creativity, music, everything kind of came together into one and coalesced. So that's my favorite. And now our goofy question. What Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Kronk would be my favorite animated person to hang out with because he's awesome. Film-wise, Disney film. Jar Jar Bink. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's go with... You know what? I really, 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 really dug Guardians. Drax was kind of awesome. I'm sorry, his dry, sarcastic, like, not understand. It was just fantastic. He was so much fun. And in our Mickey question, if I asked you to name any Disney song at this moment, what immediately comes to mind? A spoonful of sugar. Mary Poppins is just everything that is wonderful about Disney wrapped up into one. Animation, live action, it's great. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jordan. This was a lot of fun, and I learned a lot because I am just in awe of Fantasmic and, of course, Voyage of the Little Mermaid. You have some upcoming projects. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, actually, my company, um, creativeelementgroup.com, um, just launched earlier this year, and we do live um, theme park production shows, uh, live entertainment production shows, specials, one-offs, etc. around the world. Um, we have some projects in Dubai right now. Um, we're talking with some projects in Malaysia and Singapore. Um, so yeah, it's a great team of people that um, have been collected from around the theme park world, from sound designers from Disney to uh, orchestrators. Our, our orchestrations person, Nate, has done stuff that I'm sure that you've heard in the Voyage of the Little Mermaid rides, and just a really cool melting pot of talented people. And so we are uh, up and running, and we have some projects coming up, but unfortunately I can't say the names of any of them, but we'll check back in. We'll do this again, I hope, because it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, and we will and always post on to our Twitter and Facebook pages we'll, we'll put some links into jordan's website and his i think you have a twitter page and a facebook page we'll put that sure. there and some video clips of what you've done i hope that your magnificent work as prince eric and voyage of the little mermaid is seen on youtube <laughs> 
because I heard that that was Oscar worthy. I so... I'm sure I can find it and then have it taken down. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but listeners, if you know someone or if you are someone who used to be a Disney World cast member and would like to come on the show and share your experiences, please email us at contact at thetierratalkshow.com. You can also find out our contact page on our website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. And one more quick question for you, Jordan. Sure. Can you give me one word that can describe your experience working for the Disney company? Magical.